this is Craig Brown, and welcome to Passages. Passages is a space to explore Bible passages used for preaching, reflection, and prayer. My hope is that Passages will shine a unique light on text used for preaching here at the First Free Methodist Church of Seattle, or for anyone looking to dive deeper into the Bible. Today's passage comes to us from the fifth chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, And today we'll be looking at verses 10 to 12, and then verses 18 to 22, both in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. They function as the basis of the sermon at First Free Methodist Church on October 23rd, 2022. It's the second week in a series called The Abundance Dilemma, as we explore the themes of generosity, gratitude, and stewardship. Ecclesiastes is a book of wisdom literature in the Bible that's commonly attributed to Solomon. It's a a darker and more cynical view of the world based on life experiences rather than uh, some form of idealism. So if, for example, the book of Proverbs are the things you write when you're young, Ecclesiastes is what you write when you're old, seasoned. What it names as problems and promises are well-grounded in our own human experience. The name of this book in Hebrew, Kohelet, is the word for preacher. So Ecclesiastes is its kind of Greek uh, name that is given to the book in the Septuagint. And so the book is essentially a series of proclamations about the significance and meaning of life spoken by someone who has this kind of seasoned wisdom uh, that we name. And in chapter five, the particular focus is on contentment and how elusive contentment can be for us from time to time. If we look, for example, at verse 10 in chapter five, it says, one who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor one who loves abundance with its income. This too is futility. Verse 10 outlines a race, a race that can never be won, thus its futility. The the love of money is not something that can be satisfied, nor can the love of abundance be satisfied, because there's always more to get and more to have. So in this race for love or even abundance, there is actually never an opportunity to consider what enough might be. There are races of such a nature, the love of money and the love of abundance, that it keeps us from paying any attention to what contentment might look like. As you look at verse 11, it says, when good things increase, those who consume them increase. So what is the advantage to their owners except to look at them? Good things increasing not always are not always a good thing. The question of verse 11 is about purposefulness. For for what reason are things increasing? Is it simply to increase them and to be able to look at them? And Ecclesiastes uses this word uh, for advantage quite a bit in verse 11. So what is the advantage to their owners except to look at them? The idea here of this advantage is that that many of us move through our human life, our human existence, looking to get the edge, looking to get the advantage, looking for the right lever to pull, the right thing to say, the right, the right kind of person to be. And Ecclesiastes, as a book, calls all of that into question, calls into question all the ways we try to seek advantage 
And this is one of the ways we seek to get advantage. We, we try to increase the number of good things, but what we find is those who consume them also increases. So in the end, we learn that there is no advantage in this addiction to acquisition. Sometimes books in the Bible, and especially books like this in wisdom literature in what we call the Old Testament, are not so much trying to answer questions as much as they're trying to help us ask the right question. So what, what do what do we need to do? What, what do we need to have? What do we need to get is usually the wrong question, but why is actually a better question. The writer elaborates even more on this in verse 12. He says, the sleep of the laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich person does not allow him to sleep. So there's this comparison that begins to emerge between those who labor and rest versus those with an abundance. And what we learn here in verse 12 is that manual labor, and that's what he's making reference to, the sleep of the laborer is sweet. The, that manual labor drives a form of work that results in good rest due to fatigue. So the, the person who has physically exerted themselves in labor, typically those who are not wealthy, the, those who work hard for a living, they experience good rest due to fatigue, but then the writer says the wealthy have a fatigue that follows them all the time. It's similar to going to sleep on a completely full stomach. Having wealth increases stress, anxiety, concern to the point that it robs one of rest. The the writer of Ecclesiastes in these three verses making it clear that this, this desire to acquire is an exhaustive race that ultimately has uh, has in itself a, an obedience to the law of diminishing returns. And that opens up a key passageway to us here, that true contentment comes from a unique state of mind, not of circumstance. It comes from a unique state of mind, not of circumstance. It, it's easy to think how life would be if one were to win a million dollars. Ecclesiastes wants us to know that the additional wealth brings a whole suit of problems for us, that those who seek accumulation are rarely satisfied, and we're going to get to this part in a minute, they rarely enjoy what they have. Contentment comes outside of situations and circumstances. Money and wealth are what they are, nothing more. Jesus made it clear, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money isn't the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. This this hamster wheel of the addiction to acquire is madness, at least in the words of the writer of Ecclesiastes. So what's really eluding people is contentment. The argument in Ecclesiastes isn't against wealth or against money. It's uh, an argument about what is meaningful in life, what's important in life, what matters in life. So the writer turns to a very unorthodox reflection on contentment down in verse 18. He writes, here is what I have seen to be good and fitting, to eat, to drink, 
and enjoy oneself and all one's labor in which he labors under the sun during the few years of his life which God has given him. For this is his reward. Such a, a rich passage of scripture, but also at the same time a bit uh, kind of counterintuitive. He outlines a trifecta, if you will, of eating, drinking, and enjoying oneself. The writer of Ecclesiastes is not advocating some, in some ways a, a call to hedonism or gluttony. But it's a different kind of invitation. It's an invitation to do what human beings seldom do. Enjoy. Labors are to have a reward. And so what use is there in taking reward time or taking away from reward time to pursue more and ultimately enjoy less? So reward, in this case, is enjoyment. And it says, quote, during the few years of his life. In other words, the few years of our own lives. These are gifts from God. This is key to understanding the writer's meaning here. Life. Life is something to be enjoyed, not toiled about. He repeats the same truth in the very next verse, just repeats it differently. Furthermore, as for every person to whom God has given riches and wealth, he has also given them the opportunity to enjoy them and receive his reward and rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. Now, this is not to say that that we solely consume our riches and that we just take care of ourselves. Notice what the text says. It says that we enjoy them. Enjoying riches does not necessarily mean that we consume the riches. This is key. So many would assume this simply means a form of self-gratification. Far from it. It's actually how wealth is best used. And later in Ecclesiastes, the writer begins to make this clear time and time again, is that wealth is enjoyed when wealth is shared, when it's offered in abundance for the good of self, yes, but also for the good of all. Take note that riches and their enjoyment are a gift from God. Not just riches, but riches and their enjoyment are a gift from God. The, the closing words of verse 20 help make sense of this just a little bit more with some unusual insights. The, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, For he, God, will not often, or I mean he, the one who labors, will not often call to mind the years of his life because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. Such a profound text that God keeps us busy with the joy of our heart if we choose to live in contentment. If we can do this, if we can learn how to live in a cycle of contentment rather than ongoing quest, something begins to happen in us. We quickly will forget the pain and toil that life brings. We'll focus instead with the joy that is before us and the joy of our heart. Notice it does not say happiness. It says joy. Joy in Scripture, both in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, outlines a state of mind that is present, that can even be present in unpleasant situations. So it's quite possible for us to experience joy in moments of unhappiness. Joy stems from a confidence that God holds and works in all things. So the focus isn't on acquiring more riches. 
It's on the experience of joy. So if there should be any quest that we're on, it shouldn't be for acquisition and abundance and the gaining and having of more. It's to have joy. And that's the key passageway for us here, that the quest for joy provides meaning for all of our wealth. You see, finding that which gives us joy, even in hardship, even in sacrifice, even in the expending of our wealth and assets can help frame how we use our money and wealth. That which gives us joy may not always make us happy, but it does fulfill us. So our quest in life is not to get more. Do you hear what Ecclesiastes is telling us? The quest in life is to have joy. So what brings us a sense of confidence for each day? What lifts up our hearts even when it is sacrificial? What moves us toward God in the deepest of ways? So aligning our riches and wealth toward those things will then help us to enjoy all the fruits of our labors. The quest here is for joy, and joy will provide meaning for all of our wealth. If you have comments or questions, I'd love to hear from you. You can visit my website, revcraig.com. In the upper right-hand corner, you click the button that says News, and there's a drop-down menu that appears, and then click on Podcasts. And then you'll see a listing of all of the podcast episodes. Click on this episode and leave a comment at the bottom. I'd love to be engaged with you. Also, please visit our church's website, ffmc.org, firstfreemethodistchurch.org, to learn more about free Methodism and how you can connect with our community. That's all for this week. I bid you all grace. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.